5: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. On VSIN,
6: the Sports Betting Network. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got three tremendous hours for you as it's a Kramer versus Kramer show. As we're going to have two gentlemen with Alaskan last name Kramer joining me today as Mackenzie Kramer does great work with ESPN and their stats and information department along with their show The Daily Wager is going to be joining me in 15 minutes. I believe that he's going to be in studio and going to be taking a look at some college basketball. I know that he does a great job taking a look at the great game of golf as well as the Honda Classic is going to be very interesting. We're going to be diving into that. In 15 minutes, he has a few baseball futures as well. If we've got time, we're going to dive into those a little bit as well. So, going to have a fun time there. And then the other Kramer, Ryan Kramer, who does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, is going to be joining me in a little bit over an hour. We're going to be diving into some NFL futures with him. I know that he and the guys over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network also do a great job with the XFL. So, might see if he's been... Gauging these lines, if there's anything that he has fired in on, or if that's going to be a little bit later on during the week, so we're going to be diving into that in our number two, and then our number three, Grant Mitchell. He does great work over at the Fade the Public podcast. You're able to find that wherever your podcast. He is also a part of Forbes. It's going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look at some NBA futures with him. A lot of the game previews tonight are going to be mostly college basketball. I just don't do much with hockey, but. You've got a great college basketball card that is coming up north of 60 games, so you get a lot of those tonight as got a little bit of everything that's going on. Some American Conference games as we've got the good old Houston Cougars, the number one team in all of college basketball. They're going to be going at it. You're able to go down the list, so there's going to be a lot of fun to be had, and there was a lot of fun to be had in college basketball on Tuesday as well as We saw some very fascinating results, a few teams on the road being able to get the job done in Villanova and Marquette out there in the Big East, and I do think that what is so interesting about college basketball right now is trying to gauge sort of the upstart dark horse teams, because you go back to this time last year, and a team that made the national title in North Carolina, they were legitimately one of those teams that up until they were able to knock off Duke at Cameron Indoor Stadium. And I mean a little bit before that, they were a team that was hovering right there on the bubble. They really did need that win at Duke in order to be just feeling pretty good going into the ACC tournament. And you do have teams that are sort of ascending, teams that are sort of declining, and it's all about, all right, we've got so many data points in front of us. What's new that could be exploited? Because, The more that these teams play these games, the better the numbers are. Let's call it what it is. If you take a look at the spreadsheet that I post up every single day, I'm going to have smaller differentials from the book when it comes to late February, early March this time of year rather than, say, early November where you've got a whole bunch of teams that are playing at a new tempo, a bunch of new coaches and things like that. So it's all about trying to identify what's new. And what's different, and I think a prime example, this actually came out of the Big 12, a team that currently is not in the NCAA tournament, according to most of these bracketology folks. But if they continue to play like this, you know what? Anything is possible, and I'm talking about Texas Tech. Texas Tech, they go on the road, they get the job done against Oklahoma, 74-63 to 63 was the final, and the leader in points and rebounds in that game was Fardas Amick, someone who was out of sight, out of mind for the longest of times. The reason why he was out of sight, out of mind was very much a highly touted transfer. I mean, as a matter of fact, you take a look at all those transfers lists coming into the season, he was a top 10 guy according to darn near everyone. Heck, I had him and certainly my top 10. If I had to go back, I would say that he was probably a top five transfer in terms of the impact that he would be able to make. Unfortunately, he breaks his foot. There was some NIL things that actually kept him at Texas Tech because he was almost thinking about leaving, and now he's back in the fold. He put up a double-double, and the team's win against West Virginia, and all of a sudden, you've got a Texas Tech team that is now on a nice burner four-game win streak, and that's a team that all of a sudden is able to make you some money. You take a look at a team like Arkansas, a five-star guy who was a little bit out of sight, out of mind, and Nick Smith. He comes in with an Arkansas team that we've seen it time and time again with them. They get off to a slow start to the season. They bring in a lot of transfers. They bring in a lot of moving parts. But then things are able to mesh at the end of the season and boom, voila, there you go. It's a team that is able to make a nice run and they're able to get things all figured out. These are the teams I think are so fascinating this time of year and there always are a few teams No matter what NCAA tournament you take a look at, there's always going to be some upsets. There's always going to be some lower-seeded teams that are able to advance, and it feels like in recent years we've been seeing more and more of them. Now, I don't think that we're going to be seeing a, oh, I don't know, 15 seed to the Elite Eight like we saw last year with the St. Peter's Peacocks. I don't think that we're going to be seeing quite that sort of carnage, but hey, I mean, if there is a year that we could see something absolutely ridiculous like that. Why not the 2023 NCAA tournament? Because, I mean, man, it has been very interesting to take a look at these teams. But you've also got teams that are sort of on the decline as well. And these are the teams that you always want to be taking a look at for an upset bid. Like, I still remember, many people remember my call of Oral Roberts two years ago. Part of it was because I liked Oral Roberts, but part of that was, Ohio State, they were looking like at one time they might be able to become a number one overall team in the country, and then at final month of the year, they just didn't look so great. They were able to regroup a little bit for that Big Ten tournament run, but I was not impressed by them towards back half of the season. You go back to what we saw once again with the uh, good old St. Peter's Peacocks last season. They were playing in the Sweet 16 against a Purdue team that I felt like was really flailing towards the end part of the year. Certainly the Kentucky upset was quite a little bit of a shocker. There are some that just sometimes come out of nowhere. That is one where I think it's very, very warranted. A undersized St. Peter's Peacock team being able to knock off giant of the earth Oscar Sheboy, the man that had won the player of the year award that it was a little bit of bad coaching, not going to lie, by John Calipari and just a St. Peter's team getting hot at the same time. But it is interesting to take a look at these teams and the teams I always look to highlight. Because we all remember a chic pick last year to make a run in the NCAA tournament. For some reason, it was the Iowa Hawkeyes, which I always thought that was very strange because we all know this with Iowa. You're not banking on Iowa to be able to play great defense for you you know what you're going to be able to get out of offense, but offense is a little bit more volatile once you get into an NCAA tournament situation. I know that Gil Alexander here at the network always does his criteria for a national title team, and I believe that something like 15 out of the last 16 teams have been a top 30 Ken Palm defense, although an exception being the Hungry Huskies in 2014, which that was just a run in and of itself. I actually remember taking UConn to the final four that year. That was one of the Good moments for Greg Peterson that got me to where I was because I just kept looking at UConn. They got a great draw, and I was like, man, you know what? These guys were barred from the NCAA tournament last year. I think that they're going to be a little bit angry this year. Boy, were they angry, but I take a look at a team like Xavier who does lose to Villanova, which another team with a piece that comes back in the fold. Now, Villanova. They're going to need to win the Big East Tournament in order to get into the NCAA Tournament. They they could be a bettable option in the NIT. Do not discount the NIT, by the way. I mean, here's going to be your 30-second sort of dissertation on the NIT. Money is money. You're not going to be able to get down as much money when it comes to handicapping NIT games as you are the NCAA Tournament games. Do not completely ignore them because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be in lovely Las Vegas. They're going to be taking a look at, oh, is little Susie's bracket going to be able to go far because she picked all via mascots and the mascot that she picked is a 14 seed or something like that. We've got to take them out right on the money line and things of that nature. You've got all those people that come into town. You've certainly got the sharpest of the sharps who are going to be firing on those, but you've also got the NIT, the CBI, what is now known as the College Basketball Classic. There's good money to be made on those tournaments. You're not going to be able to get down as much as you are on, like, a Final Four game or anything like that. But do not completely just put the shows off to the side, and that's most likely where Villanova's going to be heading. Justin Moore was able to give you more in this game in terms of 25 points, but a team that's starting, starting to fall off is Xavier, because I was just mentioning it with Iowa. You could always bank on them playing no defense whatsoever. I feel like we're able to bank on that. Right now with the X-Men of Xavier. Xavier entering into the, just in terms of raw points allowed on a per-possession basis. 175th. I was talking about a team that was descending, a team that lost to St. Peter's last year. Purdue, they were a pretty dreadful team on defense as well. These are always the teams that you do want to identify. Part of the reason why I still do have a little bit of question mark with Marquette, though. They were able to pick up a very nice win over the Creighton Blue Jays on Tuesday, but it's a wild college basketball market, and trying to find teams that have any sort of consistency whatsoever is of fascination. It is a big reason why I personally am not too much of a pre-NCAA tournament futures player, and it's a big reason why when it comes to this, I do think that there's a little bit more value in terms of like a money line rollover situation where... You're able to play it game by game. If you get a matchup that you don't like, you're able to walk away from the table with your winnings. Whereas with a futures wager, you're just locked in. Whether or not you get the best of the best matchup or you get the worst of the worst matchup, or better or for worse, you are locked in on that. And right now we are locked in on trying to be able to make so much money when it comes to this NCAA tournament. And hey, maybe when it's all said and done, one of those teams... It is going to be coming out of the Big 12 as we saw some good action on Tuesday with Texas being able to get it done. And hey, our DK Nation pick, Kansas State, they make it 7-1 in the last eight as well. And that DK Nation pick is going to be coming up in our number two. But what is coming up next, some great college basketball chatter with our good friend Mackenzie Kramer of ESPN. That is on the flip side right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on v the V-Sports that Network.
2: Old-school
3: legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000.
2: Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app,
3: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next
7: Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024. Listen to next question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network.
6: If you are looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college basketball, the VCN experts have got you covered become a VCIN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of just $9.99. VCN Pro subscribers, get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VSN show us and guests. Tools like our betting splits, deep dive betting reports, vSIM betting guides for the biggest games of the season where experts break down brackets, best bets, daily props, and you do not want to miss out on this limited time offer because if you visit vSin.com slash subscribe, you're able to sign up for just $9.99. That is VSIN.com slash subscribe. We're back here on the Greg Peterson experience on VSIN, the sports Betting network and Hey, look who's joining me at the desk. It is Mackenzie Kramer. He does great work over at ESPN with their stats and information department, along with their show, The Daily Wager, and Mackenzie. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. It's great to come in. Jason has me driving through a 70-mile-hour wind
8: gust on on the drive over here. Luckily, I'm a big guy, so I got to weigh the car down a little
6: bit. But I had some good bets tonight for college basketball, and I look forward to talking more about it with you now. Absolutely. And before we dive into some of the games for Wednesday, I know that you were talking a little bit about some of the futures that you have. What are a few that you have identified and is there anything that you might be looking to fire in on now that things are getting down to the nitty gritty in conference play?
8: Normally, I have a ton of futures picks at this time of the year. I know last year I had a big Auburn 175 to one ticket, which last gave me a lot of uh, joy until they got knocked out. This year, I don't have a whole lot of uh, futures ahead of time. The one good one I have is Marquette from a few mo- from two months ago at 100 to one. But the two I've made recently, I've been getting on Baylor around 20 to one, and I saw 23 to one today at Circa. I think that's a pretty fair team for a team that just got jo- Jonathan Shambochajul back. has been and, at least when I made the bet they were playing better basketball, mm-hmm. then the second half against Kansas happened, and then the Kansas State game happened today. So hasn't totally aged well since I bet it, but I do think that this team has a pretty high ceiling, and I Scott, trust Scott Drew in March. And the other bet that I made, which I just saw today at Circa, and I wasn't planning on backing this team, but the number was too big for me, was Arkansas, 70-1. to 1. I know that... Bracket matrix, they're around like the, you know, the 7 to 10 range. They're not exactly a high seed right now. But when this team is fully healthy, they have Nick Smith back. They have as high a ceiling as any team in the country, in my opinion. So they could easily flame out in round one. But I'm betting on a ceiling outcome. And 70 to 1, I mean, most books have them a lot shorter than that. But 70 to 1 right now at Circa downstairs, I, I thought that was a great bet today. And they hammered Georgia today. So I was
6: happy to get that uh, inst- instant uh, satisfaction there. And you touch on something that I was explaining, segment number one. We now have a lot more information on these teams. Trying to find those things in which guys that were out of sight, out of mind, are coming to the forefront. Like, if you're betting Texas Tech, Fardos, Amick, you just mentioned it with Nick Smith over there at Arkansas. Those could be some of the best betting angles right now in college basketball. So I totally agree with you there. And, well, something that is in sight and in mind typically is Colin Castleton. But I know that one of the best that you're looking at for Wednesday is The team that is currently dealing with the injury to Mr. Colin Castleton, Florida, they are going to be playing us. Kentucky Kentucky is a three point favorite. And I think much of your handicap for this one is Colin Castleton out. No good for Florida. Yeah. Normally I hate these. It seems like such a lazy handicap
8: because it's factored into the line. Like, you know, the odds makers know Colin, Colin Castleton's out for this game. The question is how much do you value his presence to Florida? And for me, I think Colin Castleton's basically the entire Florida team. We saw what Arkansas did to them this past weekend. They destroyed them in the paint in that game. They went 32 for 49 on twos in that game. Without Castleton, they had no presence inside to slow down Arkansas, and I think Kentucky can beat them inside. And on the other side of the ball, Castleton's really their only efficient scorer. I mean, they've gotten a little bit of production from Riley Kugel recently, but... Outside of Castleton, there's really nobody in that Florida offense that I trust to be an efficient scorer. So Kentucky's short number on the road. I know Kentucky's been really up and down this year, but I don't think Florida's got a whole lot to offer them. And I I look to fade Florida down the
6: stretch. And I'm hoping that there's a little bit of money that comes in on Florida as a home underdog because I personally set this summer at three myself. So I'm going to be letting that one marinate a little bit more, take that one in the AM. I've got to hit one that we're going to be on the same side of and one that we're going to go a little bit more mano a mano on. It seems like we both like Fordham in this spot. They're going to be on the road facing off against the loyal Chicago team. That, To their credit, they've been playing a little bit better. Loyola Chicago has covered five out of their last eight spreads after they were one of the least profitable teams at all of college basketball. They were right there with Tulsa among your least profitable teams. And shout out to Tulsa for getting their fourth cover of the year. So, yay, verily. So, yeah, they were able to get there on that one, but... I take a look at this Fordham team. They play significantly better on defense. Loyal Chicago, turning the ball over, just left, right, and sideways. It's just not a loyal Chicago team that I want any part of on a tight line. And I think with this
8: Fordham team, like, The way I like to look at this Fordham team is, yes, you look at their Ken pound metrics, they rank super high in luck, but the reason why is every time they step up in class, they get lit lit up. But when they play teams that are at their level or lower than their level, which Loyola Chicago clearly is dead last in the the A-10 right now, Fordham tends to show up for these games, and I really like what Keith Ergo has been doing in year one, uh, replacing Kyle Neptune at Fordham, and I think two is just a really short number at Loyola Chicago. I'm on a lot of short road favorites tomorrow, so I'm pretty nervous
6: about that, but this is probably my favorite bet of tomorrow. I really like Fordham in this spot. Yep, I'm right there with you. I felt like Fordham should have been closer to a four-point favorite. This opened up in some spots as low as a one and a half, so we are in locks up on that one. We are not going to be in locks up on this one. Iowa versus Wisconsin. This is not just because I come from the great state of Wisconsin, but I just think that it's so tough to win on the road in the Big Ten. We saw that with the Indiana versus Michigan State game, which obviously there was a little bit more going on with Michigan State, you feel, for all the people that were affected in that great state with the shooting last week, but that said, I take a look at this Wisconsin team playing at home against Iowa. The Cole Center is such a tough place to play. Iowa's going to have a little bit of revenge on their mind as Wisconsin went to Carveracca Arena, won the first time around without Chris Murray, but I just think that Iowa with their home inroads was, they're just so drastic that it puts me off of this Iowa team. And Ulus also didn't play that Iowa game, so they were about
8: out two get starters in that game. And I get what you're saying about the Big Ten home court advantage. It seems like the two trends I hear all the time with college basketball this year are is Big Ten home court advantage, take the home team in Big Ten conference games, and take the unranked team when they're favored against the home team because they tend to do pretty well. Though as we saw with Miami and Virginia Tech tonight, that doesn't always hit either, but... This isn't a huge play for me, but I just think that Iowa is a significantly better team. And like you said, Chris Murray missed the first game. And I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Chris Murray all season. I have a lot of wooden award features on him, which are going to go up in smoke. But thank goodness for Zach Eady at 50 to 1. But I don't really like the what I've seen from this Wisconsin team recently. They have been losing some games to the Kohl Center this year. Their home court advantage hasn't been as what it has been in previous years. And I think I like Iowa in this spot. So
6: small play for me on on the road favorite in this spot. And this is one where I can get with the short road favorite as well. I feel like you're on this one as well. Vanderbilt versus LSU. And, I mean, with Vanderbilt, I feel like one of the most impactful players who are their respective teams in all of college basketball is Liam Robbins. This guy has been incredible down low. He's seven feet tall. He's able to pop threes. And for LSU, I actually like what I saw from them out of conference. I was thinking, you know what? This is probably not going to be a team that – It's going to be like a top 25 team, make the NCAA tournament or anything like that. But early part of the season, LSU looked halfway decent. And boy, (laughs) it looked like they finally had a chance to be able to get a win in conference play. And then they lose to South Carolina. I like Vanderbilt in this spot because ju- just darn near everything has went wrong for this LSU team, both straight up and against the spread. And it wasn't even just the non-conference with LSU. Their they're SEC opener, I had them at
8: a home against Arkansas, and they won that game. And since then, they've lost 14 in a row. And on the other hand, you have Vanderbilt, five straight wins. They're playing some of their best basketball. You mentioned Liam Robbins, three straight games, at least 20 points. He's been playing really good basketball down the stretch. I just think this is an example of... Recency bias is not really taken into effect in this game, and I think the way that Vanderbilt's been playing that they should be rated a little bit higher than this. The two-point spread, that's kind of what, if you look at the season averages for both these teams, that's kind of where this number lies. Like, that's what the Ken Palm number is for instance, and I think that the way these two teams are playing right now, I think there's just a bigger gap. I meant to look up before the show in the last time Vanderbilt was favored at LSU, or really when's the last time Vanderbilt was favored in a road SEC game under uh, Stackhouse. Might have even been this year, to be honest. I haven't looked, but uh, got sidetracked by Wes Rettles and Femi outside. But uh, in this spot, I think Vanderbilt is a road favorite. I like them in this spot.
6: Yeah, but I'm sure that Vanderbilt was at some point last year because Vanderbilt was able to make the NIT last year, so... They weren't completely awful and teams like Ole Miss and company, sorry Ole Miss, but been relatively rough for them. And how do you gauge some of these teams like a Vanderbilt, which if you take a look at the straight up record, if you take a look at them for the entirety of the season, it hasn't necessarily been so savory, but I mean, if you take a look at Vanderbilt recently, they've been able to get on a nice run. It hasn't necessarily been against world beater competition, but at the same time, Vanderbilt seems to have turned over a little bit of a new leaf. Yeah, I think you kind of look at
8: those type of hot teams on a case by case basis. With Vanderbilt, I think that one of the things that you said is just the emergence of Liam Robbins. He missed a couple of games in the middle of conference play. He's come back and he's really carried them. So that's a big reason why I like Vanderbilt.
6: Yep. And guys like Lee Dort and company have not necessarily come to the forefront for them. And we've got about 45 seconds for this one. New Mexico versus Boise State. Boise State is a six point favorite pretty sad on this one because I personally am looking at taking the six with New Mexico just because of the fact that Jalen House is now back and he's so impactful for New Mexico. Yeah, I don't like how New Mexico's been playing
8: recently, but like you said, House missed two of those really bad losses against Air Force and Wyoming. They came back and looked pretty good against San Jose State, but I think that that might have inflated New Mexico's rating a little bit, and I, and I like Boise State a lot at home. It seems like there's some some chatter coming out for the Boise State side. I think they'd be motivated to win this game. I thought they wouldn't be otherwise, but I think this number's a little short. New Mexico's been a little bit inconsistent in conference play. Boise State's got a really good defense, second-best defense, the Mountain West, behind San Diego State, and I have a small bet on Boise in this game, and I also
6: like the under 145 it should be an interesting game to take a look at out there in Idaho and coming up next. We're going to talk a little golf with our good friend Mackenzie Kramer, take a look at the Honda Open on the flip side here on the Great Peterson Experience on V the Sports Betting Network.
5: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on V the Sports Betting Network.
6: Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches, which is a surprisingly simple way to enjoy nicotine. Look, most nicotine products are either too complicated to use or they don't provide the satisfaction that you are looking for, but Zen Nicotine Pouches, they might surprise you because Zen is made with six simple ingredients and is completely tobacco leaf-free. Plus, it offers up to one hour of nicotine satisfaction per pouch. Find a store that is nearest you Or buy online at zyn.com. That is zyn.com today. And a warning that this is a product that contains nicotine. and nicotine. It is an addictive chemical. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN. The Sports Bank Network. Joined at the desk by Mackenzie Kramer. Does great work at ESPN with the Sats and Information Department. Along with the show, The Daily Wager. And Mackenzie, I know you love college basketball. But you also love golf. And it is going to be a very interesting one out there at the Honda Classic this week. Certainly. Not quite the same field that we saw the last few weeks. Waste Management Open always brings out a lot of the big guns. You saw John Rahm look very solid there. And then at the Genesis as well, John Rahm, another good showing. He is not in this event. And, well, we don't have We don't have Tiger Woods either. How do you gauge this event with more of the, shall we say, semi-star golfers out there? Like you're noticing guys like Shane Lowry, Billy Horschel being more towards the top of the odds board.
8: See, as a golf better, like as a golf fan, obviously you like to have the stacked fields back-to-back elevated events before this week back-to-back elevated events after this week which is a big reason why this field is so weak but as someone who likes to bet golf it's fantastic not having to worry about okay is John Rahm going to have his A game because if he does I just can't win unless I bet John Rahm or Scotty Scheffler or Rory McIlroy or any number of the elite golfers if they play their A game it's so hard to beat them whereas in this field Sung J M 10 to 1 is your favorite and I love Sung J M but and then you look at Shane Lowry 16 to 1 Lowry's a guy that I came on your, on your show a couple weeks ago I bet him at 70-1, to and he wasn't even in good form then, which is part of the reason I bet him at a depressed number. Now he's the second favorite, and the other thing with this field, too, is this is a very difficult course. You don't see that very often on the PGA Tour. This isn't just a scoring fest where it's like, all right, whoever's got the hottest putter is going to win in some of these type of tournaments. This is a very difficult golf course, so a different field. A lot of European players coming over here. You see Minwoo Lee, one of the top favorites this week. A lot of guys that you're not used to seeing this high on the odds board. I love these kind of weeks, so this is a fun week for me. Patty
6: Harrington is 70-1. <laughs> to 1. Playing great That's the Champions a blast Tour. from the past. Playing great on the Champions Tour. Oh, man, I mean, it's just absolutely terrific. But how do you take a look at this course? Because I know that I was talking with E. McMillan on this show yesterday about it and it's just really all about scrambling in his opinion, trying to be able to save par in a lot of situations. Are you looking at guys that they really maybe don't, get a whole bunch of birdies. They maybe don't bomb it off the tee, but they just do a good job of really saving face. Um, that's certainly part of it. Cause the thing with all these Florida courses is you're always prone to have a big
8: number with all the water that's on all these courses though. I do think that driving distance does matter in a course like this, not necessarily because you're using the driver, but because if you hit the ball fur- further, then all of a sudden you might be a little bit further, out, uh, closer to the pin on some of these approach shots. Maybe you can use a shorter club and you're probably less likely to be in the water and get yourself in trouble on some of these shots. So, We've seen Bombers do pretty well in this course. Justin Thomas and Luke List, they played each other in a playoff one here a couple years ago. Those are two guys that are definitely known for their driving distance. But one other thing I want to mention, too, in terms of just the overall strategy for this week, too, is we've been on a California swing or a West Coast swing for a long time. Now we're in Florida, so I like to target some of these golfers that – aren't necessarily that good in California, but are better in the Southeast. You hear about Max Homa all the time in the California swing. Oh, Max Homa in California. He wins all the time in California. Well, he doesn't win all the time in Florida and you have other guys who specialize in these Southeastern courses, these Bermuda grass courses. So you might have some guys who struggled in California that you can now get at, sl- at slightly better numbers on the, on the East coast.
6: I think that that is a really good piece of advice that you lend there. And, in terms of some of the futures that you have placed for the Honda Classic, what are some of the ones that you're taking a look at? Because I know that you've got a few guys that are a little bit closer towards the top five, top 10 of the odds board. And then you dove down, and I think that you've got a few guys that are north of 75 to one on your card. Yeah, this has always been a pretty high variance
8: course. and We've seen Sung J M win this event. We've also seen him miss the cut at this event. When it comes to the guys like sub 30 to one, uh, the two guys I was looking at the most were Aaron Wise and Billy Horschel. And I end up going with Billy Horschel, who's around 28 to one, and he's a perfect example of what I just said. He's a guy that he's from Florida. He's always had his best success in Florida courses. He struggles in California. He's never played well at Riviera, so I don't really care that he struggled last week at Riviera. And play, and he's a guy who's a proven winner. He's won, I think, I think seven times in the PGA Tour. Won the match play two years ago. Won the Memorial last year. In fact, winning an event like this, this is below. This is gonna be one of the worst trophies on his mantle if he wins this game, this event. If he were in slightly better form, he'd probably be up with Sung Jae. Not, not with Sung Jay, but he'd be up with Shane Lowry in the sub-20-1 to 1 range. So I think 28-1, to 1, pretty good number on him for
6: the top of the board. And then let's go a little bit further down the board, because I know that you've got a little bit of uh wager on Garrett Higo, who I always <laughs> think has one of the best names out there. Take me through him and some of the other guys that are a little bit further down the board that you're firing in
8: on. Yeah, is a guy who, he burst out of the PGA Tour scene, uh, winning in his second career start on the PGA Tour. Then last year, he struggled pretty much all year, but he's been showing a lot of signs with his ball-striking form recently. I, I, I think he had, I looked up a couple weeks ago, he, I believe he had some swing changes or a coaching change this offseason. I forget exactly what the detail was, but it gave me confidence on him, and Higo's been a guy that I've been kind of betting every, every single week, especially in these courses where you have the... The, the worst fields where he's actually got a chance to win and i think that his putter's kind of been letting him down but he's always struggled on these polo greens in california since he's come uh played on the pga tour Bermuda grass is more of a specialty and i think that 87 to 1 i saw downstairs at circa that was enough to pique my interest he's a lot he's more 50 to 160 to 1 a lot of books but 87 to 1 was a bet that i took on higo a couple other guys i like adrian moronk around 50 to 1 a player that is Top 60 in the world. One, one of the better players in the official world golf rankings in this field. Minwoo Lee is another guy in this field who's coming over who doesn't play much in America. But I got my eye on Moronk who's almost double the number that Minwoo Lee is. And you look at his event last week at the Genesis struggled in the first round but after that he kind of got his wits about him and played really well the last few rounds again it was the putter that let him down lost three and a half strokes on the greens last week but again switching the putting greens i think moronk has a chance to win this week he won twice last year on the dp world tour so i think i like moronk in this spot Hayden Buckley is a guy that I've heard all over the industry this week, and I'm on him too. A great ball striker, a bomber, and I think that this is a good course for him. S.H. Kim, another long shot I bet on, along with Ben Taylor. And then one other guy I want to mention, Robbie Shelton, a guy that has been good to me. I had him first-round leader a couple years ago at a long price, so I'm profitable for life on Shelton, barring something crazy, but... 60-1. 60-1. to 1. This is a guy, an Alabama kid from the University of Alabama, does pretty well historically on these Southeast courses, but you look at back what he did in California, t- uh, tied for 20th at Pebble Beach. His putter let him down there. T6 at the American Express. He played better than we've ever seen him perform uh, uh, in this California swing. And it's only a couple of years ago. He finished tied for 11th at the Honda. And and this is a guy that back then he came in in terrible form and came tied for 11th. So now he comes in in good form, 60 to one. This is a guy that had a pretty good college golf pedigree. I like him at 60 to one. So that's my card
6: this week, seven guys. I like it. And we've got some long shots on there and you mentioned it. It's a little bit of a diminished field in terms of not having guys like John Rahm out there. So I do think that there is some value out there. And I know you're a man that you've just got a whole bunch of features. I know that you've got a few for college basketball that we were talking about. And you've already fired on a few for baseball. I do want to highlight this one. I saw that you took a bet on Kevin Gosman <laughs> to be able to win the American League Cy Young Award, which I pulled up DraftKings. And right now, Jacob deGrom is a favorite. And there's just no value with Jacob deGrom. Because certainly, if he's firing all cylinders, if he's able to stay healthy for the full year... Yeah, he's going to be able to provide a little bit of value, but I mean, the next time Jacob deGrom stays healthy for the entirety <laughs> of the year, you just let me know because that has not been happening very much, but what did cause you to fire in on Kevin Gosman? Because for me, he was a really hard pitcher to figure out because he was so good at being able to get strikeouts last year, but it felt like all of his misses were right down the middle of the plate and he got hit hard. He did get hit pretty hard. I mean, you look at like his, his if you take away the field
8: and you look at the uh, fielding independent fitch, p- pitching, the XFIP, this, even the CFIP, he's been, his metrics la- last year were actually really good. One of the best pitchers in baseball. And I think that with the harder contact last year he allowed. One other issue with the Blue Jays last year was they had one of the worst defenses in baseball last year, but they had Dalton Varsha, which I think will help out their defense a little bit. And I just think Gaussman is just as good a pitcher as all these guys toward the top of the odds board. I mean, we've seen Garrett Cole be super inconsistent. DeGrom's an injury waiting to happen. I don't know if Dylan Cease or Carlos Rodon can hold up and do it for an entire season. I think the top of the AL Cy Young odds market is very vulnerable. And I see a guy in Gaussman where... Last year, if if he just got normalized luck, he would have had a really good year. He's finished top 10 in the Cy Young voting each of the last two years. So it's not like he's a guy that would come out of nowhere. And the other thing, too, that I think helps the Blue Jays and I think helps him is the schedule being different for baseball. He's not playing the AL East as many times as they used to. So a little bit of a balanced schedule. I think there's a couple ways for Gosman to improve on his numbers from last year. And his numbers last year were almost good enough to win the Cy Young. So I like Gosman at 20-1. to 1. I don't normally like laying these really short prices on pitchers because they, they're so injury-prone, but I couldn't help myself on Gosman. I thought that was a good number.
6: Yeah, I agree with you. I take a look at the top. Garrett Cole and Jacob deGrom at 6-1 to 1 or less. No thank you there. I'd rather take a shot on a guy like a Tris McKenzie at 35 to 1, which is what I'm finding at DraftKings. And I always find your insights to be terrific. McKenzie, always appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. James Madison minus one tomorrow. Perfect. And how about if we take a look at some Sun Bell College basketball next here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bay Network?
5: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on V the Sports Betting Network.
6: Sports fans, the football season has wrapped up. Unless if you're a fan of the XFL, and Bart Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be for basketball and hockey. Bart Rivers has you covered with every line, odd, and boost. Join us every week for new promotions like our Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Saturday Hockey Same Game Parlay Betting get weekly pro basketball Bet again, and so much more. Check out betrubs.com or download the betrubs app today as it's a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on v The sports betting Network was great to have Mackenzie Kramer of ESPN in studio the last two segments, breaking down some college basketball, taking a look at some golf as well with the Honda Classic coming up. So that was absolutely tremendous. And I know that on the way out, he was mentioning the fact that he likes James Madison laying a point against Marshall and I am right there with them, and I think that we've got to talk a little Sunbelt basketball in honor of that as well. I'll dive into that James Madison versus Marshall game if a little bit more time allows, but I got you covered with that game, so let's go into another game that I'm finding out there in the Sunbelt where I think that there's a little bit of value on the favorite. This is 667-668 on the Bang board. Old Dominion is going to be playing us the Southern Miss, and for some reason, Old Dominion opened up as a favor, which I have absolutely no idea why. But right now, we've got Southern Miss. A lot of spots being between a 1 to a, a 1.5 point favor. You're seeing a straight 2 at DraftKings, and your total on this game is between 137 and 137.5. And it was very strange to see Old Dominion as a favorite on the open. I did set Southern Miss as a 2.5-point favorite. Even if you have the worst of the number at 2, I'm willing to lay this. So you've got a Southern Miss team that has really been able to bear down with their defense, a top 65 team nationally, in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. And got a pair of guys with good 6'8", 6'9", size, in DeAndre Piketty coupled with Felipe Haas who have been able to do a really good job of just really making this team go. They combine for 28 points per game. Haas is able to shoot over 40% for three, more around 34.5 to 35% three-point shooting out of DeAndre Pinckney. These guys both give you right around seven or so rebounds per game, so they've been rock-solid on that front, and now you've got Natalie Alvarez to give you a little bit more facilitation. He's able to give you about two and a half assists per game. Well, Arnold does a good job as a guy that really doesn't score a ton, but does give you a little bit over three assists per game. Austin Crawley has been rock-solid, and then for this Old Dominion team, they are looking to play super-duper slow, and they themselves are looking to hang their head a little bit more on defense. It's an Old Dominion team that they haven't been bad with regards to their defense. They're 126th in the country and of points allowed on a per-possession basis, but just a case where Southern Miss does play the better defense. And for Old Dominion, they had Ben Stanley in non-conference play playing really well down low, but he has been injured. They've been trying to bring him back. He hasn't necessarily been panning out on that front. So that means that they need Makai Long to be Mr. Do-It-All and he's been solid. He's been able to give you a double figure amount of points. Gives you nearly eight rebounds. Shoots 40% from three, but there's only so much that one man is able to do. For Old Dominion, you have Chauncey Jenkins along Tyreek Scott Grayson, combining for about 28 points per contest. You've had Jenkins be able to shoot in the high 30s from three-point range. They do an okay job with their facilitation, but Old Dominion's a little bit of a top-heavy team. Meanwhile, for Southern Miss, you've got a lot more guys, like a Donovan Ivory, who comes in from UW-Green Bay. They're able to give you some good contributions. I do think that this is too high of a total, by the way. I did some high total at a 134.5. You've got a Southern Miss team that they're not looking to grip it and rip it down your throat either. I mean, this is a Southern Miss team that is clocking in more in the neighborhood, about 200th in terms of total possessions. We're in Old Dominion's 300th. A pair of teams that... They're looking to hold up very well on the defensive side of things. I have no idea why this total is set so high. So I'm going to take the under in the spot. And I did set Southern Miss as a two and a half point favorite. So I'm going to be one to lay that number. And I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as well. How about if we hit upon the game that is going to be earliest in terms of the normal Las Vegas betting board. This is 657, 658 on the betting board. And we're seeing this total move quite a bit as Providence is going to be in the road face off against UConn. UConn is between a 7 to a 7.5 point favorite. and your total on this game, it is anywhere between 142 and 143. Open up at 144 And, a half and I get where the betters are coming from. I do like this total under as well. Even at the diminished number, I still think that you do have a little bit of value in terms of this under. We've got a Providence team that has been okay with regards to their defense. I'm not going to call them anything supreme or anything like that. But they're right around 80th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. They've been able to... A fine job on that front. Meanwhile, you've got a UConn team that is a top 20 team. In terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, and you've got so many guys that just get after it on the defensive side of things. Someone like a Donovan Klingon is able to give you two rebounds per game. Adama Sanogo, as I like to say, he makes things a go-go. 17 points, seven boards, Andre 3000 Jackson, six points, six boards, four assists, human statutes suffer, and then for Providence, this team is a top 10 team in the country in terms of rebound rate. They do a really good job of being able to pull in offensive rebounds. Ed Crosswell is able to give you seven rebounds per game. Bryce Hopkins, I like what he's able to bring to the table. Nine boards, 18 points, shoots in the high 30s from three par range. But the question that you have for Providence in this game, what are you going to be able to get in terms of outside shooting out of the likes of Jared Bynum? Bynum was a little bit banged up ever since he did have an injury. He's been able to shoot better from three par range, but Still been shooting sub 30% from three-point range, and just throughout his career, he has sort of ping-ponged between having really good and really bad three-point shooting seasons. Like as a freshman, he shot right around 33, 34% from three, and then he shot over 40% from three, and then he shot below like 25% from three. Last year, he shot over 40% from three. Now, he's back down below 30% from three-point range. If he becomes a Van Wilder in college basketball and plays for, like, his 20th year, perhaps things are going to normalize a little bit, but he's been all over the place with that regard. Meanwhile, you do have a UConn team that has Tristan Newton is able to give you 10 points, four assists per contest. I think that he do, does a solid job. It's a UConn team that they get some steals. They're not necessarily a team that's going to rip it away from you. What they really do a solid job of is down low, and this is a Providence team that they really do hang their hat on being able to hit the glass hard as well. So I do think that this is a little bit of a rough matchup for Providence, I like Providence as well. Just a little bit more at home rather than on the road because what is now known as Amica Pavilion, which is a stupid name because we all know that it's the dunk, it's been providing Providence with so many good memories and it's always provided such a great home court environment. I did set my number at a seven a half in terms of the spread. A lot of places I'm seeing are at a seven a half. Where I said at Circa is a lone 7 and I would be willing to lay that 7 right now. I personally am going to be... Watching to see how this marinates, if we can get down lower than a 7, good value on UConn. If at some point we get north of 7, I'm willing to take the points with Providence, but at current numbers, would be willing to lay the 7 with UConn. Total, I set mine more around a 141.5, so even with this total shifting downward a little bit, I'm willing to go in on the under as well. We've got to talk about this game just because it's a big, giant mystery out there on the board, and we're talking about Alabama versus South Carolina. 721, 722 on the board for South Carolina. They're at 17 to a 17 and a half point home underdog. Your total on saying we is between 148 and 148 and a half. And right now, I think that what a lot of bettors are doing is trying to see, okay, what's going to happen with this Alabama situation because there are the reports coming out just in terms of everything that happened with that Alabama shooting. You had Darius Miles get kicked off the team a few weeks ago too. It that was not so great to say the least, but The big thing right now is what is going to be happening with your star player in Brandon Miller, who apparently he had some involvement with it. Apparently, he may have given a little bit of the weapon that was used. There's nothing that has been charged yet, though, so it's a very strange gray area. You don't know how this is going to be shaking out, and obviously, the legal system is a legal system. We're looking to make money. We're not looking to be any sort of a moral police on this one, but you have to figure that... If absolutely nothing else, and everyone's out there on the floor for Alabama, this is going to be a distraction for them. And that is something that is pretty inarguable. Now, the question is, is it going to be so much of a distraction that Alabama's going to be like, oh, we're just playing against South Carolina and this team sucks? Or is it going to be, oh, this is something that a lot of people are talking about. We get to beat up on South Carolina. So you have to play a little bit of a... I guess you could call it amateur psychologist, which I took a little bit of psychology in college. I can't say that I know too much about it personally, but I do take a look at this spot and I did have to shift my number on this. I was thinking that Alabama should have been closer to a 20 point favorite. I do think that there's a chance that if Alabama's going to be handing down discipline to Mr. Miller, it probably starts with this game because let's call it what it is. Even with Miller out of the fold, Alabama just has South Carolina completely outmatched in this spot You've got for South Carolina guy in Gigi Jackson who's able to give you about 14 points per game, chips in their five and a half boards. Chico Carter Jr., who comes in for Murray State, has been a north of 40% three-point shooter, but very much a lusted savory South Carolina team. But I will say, if won two out of the last three games at current numbers, I'd be willing to take a 17 to 17 and a half with South Carolina as I set them more around a 16 and a half to a 17 point underdog right now. So I'd be willing to take South Carolina current numbers and take a look at the under Alabama has not allowed more than 70 in a single sec game thus far this season. And we've got to get you guys a pro tip involving some golf. Like we were talking about with Mackenzie Kramer, visa.com slash subscribe able to start these by show and by sport. Take a look at a split of a golfer, how they perform on the West Coast versus the East Coast. There are some guys that they just golf really well in California, not so good on the East Coast. And coming up in hour number two, I give you guys my DKH pick for this college basketball Wednesday here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Get pro level insights into the sports betting market with VSIN's betting splits. See what people are betting and keep updated on how the market is reacting track up-to-the-minute percentage of bets placed on a matchup, compare that to the breakdown of…
0: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.